Turn with me to uh, Isaiah, the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6 in the Old Testament. While you're turning there, I just uh, want to make a, a couple quick announcements. Uh, I know some of you have made a New Year's resolution that you're going to read through the Bible this year, and if you have the Bible app on your phone, there's a, uh, that, there's a good program in there to help you do that. Uh, but if you don't have that, and you, yet you'd like to read through the Bible in a year, I have five of these copies from the National Association of Evangelicals. It's a reading guide on how to read through the Bible in a year. And, and I'll tell you this, if you're going to do it within a year, you've got to read more than one chapter a day. So this, this breaks it down for you, and it doesn't just keep you in one place all the time. It kind of moves you uh, from this segment to that segment. So if you'd like one of these, they're free. I'll put it in your hand. Just come see me right after we're finished here this morning. Uh, secondly, oh yeah, I wanted to mention that uh, my wife Anita is leading a prayer time. She's calling it a prayer open house. In other words, if you have some... If you have to come uh, early to do some prep for some ministry that you're doing on Sunday morning, and you want to come to her prayer meeting, just, just right through these doors here into the conference room, that's where it's going to be. And it's an open house, so you don't have to stay the whole 40 minutes. You can if you want to, if you believe God's called you to that. But if you want to step in for five or ten minutes, you can do that as well. And she's going to have different themes as we go through it. Uh, so just want you aware of that. And... Uh, Lastly, uh, about once a month, we have an after party that's, that we set up in a room just right down the hall here. First door on the left, you'll see a sign on the door where we have coffee and refreshments. And it's set up as an opportunity for me to be able to connect with people that uh, sometimes I just don't have an opportunity to connect to, especially if you're newer. I really would like to know who you are. Uh, and so I'm going to be right down there in that room. Come have a cup of coffee with me, and that would be great right after we're finished here. So I'm, I'm curious, how many got here this morning and somebody else was sitting in your seat? Let me see. That's okay, isn't it? It's okay. But I thought it was kind of funny people weren't able to sit where they usually sit. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, a little bit of orientation on what we're going to be doing here for the next couple weeks as we're beginning this first series in 2020. Um, we're looking at stories that people told in the Bible about having an enchanting encounter that changed their life. And so we're looking at these, and today we're looking at an, an encounter that the prophet Isaiah had that launched him on his lifetime mission. And we're looking at these. These are different kinds of people from different walks of life that God showed up at different periods of history and revealed himself to them, called them, spoke something to them. And so we're going to be looking at five of these different stories. And today we're looking at Isaiah in the Old Testament, where this encounter was a dream or a vision. Probably wasn't physical. It was something that he saw in his mind, but it's had such an impact on him, it changed his life. And some of us in this room have had such an encounter with God that changed your life. And so we're, we're looking at it from that perspective Let's start out, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, 
and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So this is, this, this is a, a, an incident that happened to Isaiah that changed his life. He wrote it down, and we've been able to read this encounter numerous times. Now, the description he gives of seeing God in, on his throne, high and lifted up, goes right along with some other experiences that other prophets in the Old Testament had seen. So we know it wasn't just some weird thing, he, weird dream he had after too much pizza. It was, it was an encounter that these different people at different times had and saw the same thing. It's repeated again in the book of Revelation when John saw it. So we're calling, we're calling these enchanting encounters. Now, to enchant, the primary definition of to enchant is to bewitch or to, it's uh, another word, uh, not to put a curse on, but uh, a spell, put a spell on someone. It's a, it's a negative, it's a negative thing. But more recently, that word has taken a more positive spin Something enchanting is something that warms your heart. Actually, the, the dictionary definition that I read, num, di, definition number two, is to attract and move deeply, to rouse in ecstatic admiration. So this is the impact this dream had on Isaiah. It's also the impact that the encounter had on these other people that store, whose stories I'm going to tell. And the good news is, God is God. He's still making enchanting encounters into people's lives. This is good news. So here's the first thing I want us to see from this story. There's five of these principles I want to draw out. Number one, when you see God, you are lifted up. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw the Lord exalted, but it lifted him up to see the Lord. When you have an encounter with God, it lifts you up. There is a principle that Christian uh, theologians believe called, it's a principle called redemption and lift, that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented into a person's life and they receive it, no matter what century in time, no matter where in the world, no matter what the the, the uh, government, or no matter what the culture is, when an individual gets things right with God, there is a lift. It lifts them up spiritually, it lifts them up economically, it lifts them up culturally. It just, 
it uplifts us. It makes us better people. Later, in Isaiah chapter 41, Isaiah is the author of the book of Isaiah. We're reading chapter 6, but later on in in, uh, chapter 41, verse 10, he says, So do not fear, God is speaking, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says this to Isaiah, but he's speaking to all the people of Israel. And if you are an adopted people of Israel, you've stepped into that covenant relationship with God, this is a covenant promise he's given to you, that he's going to uplift you. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and God says, I'm going to lift you up where I am. I'm going to lift you up on another dimension. The good news is we, we live in this world that is so broken, it is so dysfunctional, it is so hurting, it pulls everything down with it. It's, it's like a sinkhole, and it just pulls everything down with it. But when we serve God, He lifts us up out of the sinkhole. He gives us some hope. He gives us a positive direction. He moves us beyond. I don't have to succumb to everything the culture around me is pulling me into. I can walk against the grain. I can move out of there. Here's the second thing I want us to learn. When you see God, you get a better look at yourself. When he saw God, when he saw that he knew, he knew what kind of person he was, and when he saw God, he had a reference point. You see, if your reference point of what, a, what your life ought to be, if, if your reference point is some movie star, or if your reference point is some politician, or an astronaut, or some, some person that seems to be your hero, if that's your reference point, and then you read something in the newspaper and find out they're no different than anybody else, it devastates you. But if your reference point is God, that devastates you. If you understand this is God, this is how holy He is, this is the way He wants us to live our life, and then you recognize what you are, woe is me. I am undone. I am in ruin because I'm a sinner and my eyes have just seen the holy God and have pulled the rug out from under him. All his worldly confidence was gone. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter had an enchanting encounter and we read this. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, that, that God worked a miracle, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I've heard people say they've had an encounter with God, and it was such a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's never wonderful when I have an encounter with God. God points out something I need to change. I mean, it's wonderful, but it's not wonderful. It's God, it's God doing a wonderful thing. But it's not, it's, it's not a feel-good thing. It's a, it's a come-on-get-with-the-program kind of thing. Because God became his reference point. And if God becomes your reference point, Jesus becomes your reference point. If you, look at, if you want to understand God, 
Then read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who tell the story of Jesus because Jesus was God come in the flesh. Then you see what God is. You compare yourself to that? We all ought to drop on our knees. Go back for another visit to the cross. In James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24 from the message version, it says, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. The purpose of looking in the mirror is to see if there's anything wrong with me. So I look in the mirror in the morning and I realize, oh, I need, I need to shave. Or I, I better do this. I better get a haircut. I, we see something we need to change because we just looked in the mirror. The Word of God is such a mirror. We're supposed to read it. We're supposed to see how God wants us to leave. We're supposed to compare ourselves to that. And we're supposed to mourn over our selfish nature and repent and change. Because God's our reference point, not people, not human nature, not what the, not, not what the culture is telling us. God's our reference point. Okay, here's, here's three, number three. When you see God, something burns. There's something burning when you have an encounter with God. Something gets on fire. And if you don't present a sacrifice on the altar, nothing burns. Or sacrifice is required. When we have an encounter with God, He's asking us to do something. He's asking us to take a step. He's asking us to make a change. Illustration. Years ago, I was inducted into the army. And I had to go to a place I'd never been before with a bunch of guys I'd never seen before. They made us take all our clothes off down to our underwear. They issued us all new stuff. Everything looked exactly the same. They marched us down to a row of barbers. And they said, if anybody has a mole on your head, put your finger on it. And they went ahead and shaved everything anyway. They taught us a whole new way of life. They provided our food. They provided our free health care. They provided everything we needed, free transportation, wherever they wanted us to go. I was in the army. I had to lose my identity outside and embrace a new identity on the inside. When you join the army of God, you've got to change your identity. You've got to leave the old stuff behind, and you've got to step into a whole nother lifestyle, a whole nother kind of enemy we have to fight, a whole new kind of system of our life. It's a culture change. I'm glad I got out of the U.S. Army, but I'm glad I'm staying in God's Army. It says at the beginning of the story, in the year that King Uzziah 
died. King Uzziah was the reference point. When a new king would be born, they would start a new calendar. In the 20th year of King so-and-so, they would start a new calendar every time a new king came to the throne. Come to think about it, we're still on the calendar of King Jesus, aren't we? About 2020, we're still on that. Something changed in Israel when King Uzziah died. The rug was pulled out from under people who were relying on King Uzziah. God was doing a whole new thing. And I want us to know, maybe I'm speaking prophetically here this morning. God is about to pull the rug out from under some things that we've been counting on, that we've been relying on. But understand, it's God pulling the rug out from under that. It's a good thing because God wants to put something new under us. He wants to undergird us with a new foundation. So when you have an encounter with God, something burns. Something's being consumed. And burning generates smoke. And he says, I looked around and there was smoke everywhere in the throne room of God because it was a sacrifice on the altar. We call that holy smoke. Let's go to number four. Here's the fourth thing we learn. When you see God, you hear his voice. We typically don't hear his voice until we've had an encounter with God. Then we hear his voice. God has a weak point. His weak point is, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God says, I love these people. They're in a mess. They need to deliver. Who's going to go? Who's going to give them the good news? Who's going to tell them what to do? Who will go? God can't do it without somebody who will go. Somebody who will be a messenger. Somebody who will say, well, I can't do it all, but I'll do something. Show me what you want me to do, Lord. Jeremiah was another prophet. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, God says through Jeremiah, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I think this is talking about prayer. I think it's an aspect that's a definition of prayer we don't think about. God says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you did not know. God says, I'm going to reveal things to you. If you call to me, if you pray to me, I'm going to show you things. I'm going to send people into your life. I'm going to point out things for you to read. I'm going to point you in the right direction. God's going to, un- God's going to open up something that's been sealed that we can't see. He's going to give us an answer. My wife and I have seen that kind of thing happen in our lives again and again and again. Somebody say amen. When you see God, you hear his voice. And here's number five. When you see God, you receive an assignment. You don't have to do the assignment, but you receive an assignment. If you don't do, once you've said, show me what you want me to do, and he shows you what he wants you to do, and you don't do it, that's rebellion. So Isaiah says, here am I, 
send me. I'll go. I'll do it. He didn't really know what God was wanting him to do, but he said, yes, I'm willing. I think I was kind of like that as a brand new Christian when I said, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, except being a pastor. Don't ask me to do that. (laughs) Don't ever tell God what you don't want to do, because that's probably what he wants you to do. There's a reason you don't want to do it. God wants to do a good thing in our lives. So Isaiah, once he had this encounter, he knew what his life's purpose was. He knew it. Now, when Jesus was born as an infant on that first Christmas, I really don't think as a baby he understood his life's purpose. I think it was as he grew and walked and was educated and got this bit of information and that bit of information, the pieces began to come together. He began to understand what the Messiah was going to be, what the Messiah had to go through. He began to understand it better than the Bible teachers understood it. But I think something happened to him when he was baptized, when he willingly submitted to that immersion in water and the dove came down out of heaven and rested on him. And this voice out of heaven spoke so everybody could hear and said, this is my beloved son whom I love. This is him. Wow. I believe something happened at that point that exploded in his mind with clarity on what his life's purpose was. And from then on, although there were obstacles, although there were opposition, although there were people that tried to take take him out, end his life, He knew what his purpose was. And so none of those things dissuade him. None of those things tripped him up. Do you know what your purpose is? Have you heard the Lord's commission for you? We call it the great commission because it's it's the commission he's given to all of us. It's in Matthew chapter 28. Oh, we do have it up there. I wasn't sure I gave it to them. Okay, good. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Notice some of the disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission, to go, to go into the world where we find people that don't know him, where we find people duped by the culture uh, around us, They've bought into the lies that the, our culture has bought into them that it's really okay. God, God doesn't mind people like that. God doesn't mind people doing those kind of things. Listen, God does mind, and it brings judgment on people. If we care about the people, we ought to offer God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His love. We don't hold people back because they're living a different lifestyle than we are. We, hold, we lift them up out of there because we're, we know what the judgment is yet ahead. 
So we're messengers of God. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives in a dark world, letting our light shine. We don't have to go out and preach negative against this and against that. We just lift high the good news. Jesus is the good news. He came to pay the price for sin in this world so that we all could have hope. God is so good. So that brings us back to us. There's different ways people have encounters with God. Some are with dreams. Every now and then, somebody will send me an email about a dream they had. There must have been a reason they remembered it first thing in the morning. You know, it had some kind of an impact on them. For some of you in this room, your encounter with God was in a jail cell. For others of us in this room, your encounter with God was in a hospital room. Your encounter with God was maybe out of a divorce or out of something devastating that ripped something out of your heart and left you half dead. That's when you turn to God. God knows whatever it's going to take for stubborn people like you and I to say, okay, God, okay. So everybody encounters it a little bit differently. But it's a genuine encounter all the same. And God wants to move us to the next level. It's possible that there's some of us sitting here this morning and you haven't yet put all the pieces together yet, but you know God's doing something in your life. You're not sure what, but God's doing something. You know that. And I want to be the messenger to help you connect the dots. God is saying, I want you because there's a problem in this world, and I want you to help fix it. I'll show you, I'll reveal to you what you need to know in that process, but I want to use you to help change the world. Did you know that God uses people like us? With backgrounds like us? People with a few screws loose like us? He loves to use people with a few screws loose because he knows how to tighten them up. He knows how to fix us good as new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the story of Isaiah. It's an amazing story of a glimpse into the throne room of God, but even more important is the change it had on Isaiah that it made him want to listen. It made him want to be a servant and fit into this plan. And Father, I believe there's people like that in this room. They want to be a servant. They want to fit into your plan. So while we have our, our, our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask, is there somebody here and you, you feel like you've wandered away from God and it's time to make a rededication, a recommitment of yourself to God? You'd like to raise your hand as, as a sign to God that you're making a rededication, a recommitment going to 2020, more committed to him. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for each of those people that raised a hand. Father, I'm not going to embarrass them, but I pray for them 
you saw that hand go up, you know that it was a rededication. And I pray you would show them what role you want them to play, what it is you want them to do now at this point in their life. What steps do you want them to take? What is it you want to show them, reveal to them, so that they can make a difference in this world, in the little corner of the world where they are? We ask, God, that you're going to use every one of us. Lord, you're still asking the question, whom, whom can I send? Who will go for me? Father, we're saying, we'll go. We're scared. We don't know what to do. We don't know how you want us to do it. We're, we're afraid of the, the world's rejection. But Father, we pray that you'd show us what you do want us to do so that we can walk down that path and find peace with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Um, don't know if I should go here or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, last week, I watched on Facebook a clip of that shooting down in Texas. And I went back and I watched it the second time. And the second time I watched it, I just felt this sickness in the pit of my stomach, like a fear. Fear. I recognize that. It's demonic. I recognize when I feel that, I know there's something demonic going on. And I didn't want to watch it the third time because I don't want to overexpose myself to that. And I thought to myself, I am thankful that there were some men in that church that at that time could take action. But I think one thing we can do right here is immerse ourselves in prayer. Because I think if, if God could have gone after that guy beforehand and melted his hard heart beforehand, that may not have happened. That probably happened someplace else, so we need to pray all the more for souls. That's right, for souls. Because that's it's people who need saved to do that kind of thing. If we want to make the world a different place, we need to immerse ourselves in prayer for people like that. Amen? And not allow ourselves to be taken by fear. Fear is not the answer. To run and hide is not the answer. To stand up to it and say, we believe Jesus sets people free and live it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I'm excited about 2020. I'm excited about all of you and where your lives are going to go in, the, in this next year. I believe by the time we get to the end of this year, every one of us are going to have some different things have going on in our life. And I'm praying they're going to be good. They're going to be good things. Amen? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come into your house and we can study your word and your word just gives us depth of understanding. It just helps us walk ever deeper with you. So, Father, just put your peace on us. As we walk out of these doors, let us be immersed in your presence. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.